Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Following On County Cricketer. I'm John Norman with a very croaky voice this week. Alongside me, uh, Nick Friend and George DeBell from The Cricketer Magazine. And as ever, Double Ashes winner Steve Harmison. Looking back at uh, round six of the county championship and ahead to the first few matches of the uh, the T20 Blast, which gets underway this week. The county championship having a, a month off, essentially. The players going on holiday and playing some T20 cricket. But uh, this show will continue throughout the summer. So uh, we will start looking ahead to uh, a little bit of the 20 over stuff. We're going to look back at the England squad announcement, which took place last week. Sad news uh, surrounding Joffre Archer, who has uh, suffered another uh, injury mishap. So he's set to miss the summer uh, and we'll be discussing all the other big talking points. Also, we've had so much uh, um, online in terms of questions. So uh, we're going to have a bumper mailbag this week as well so look back and answer some of those questions so thanks for joining us whether it's on the following on podcast feed talk sport 2 the cricketer magazine's youtube channel or indeed steve harmison's youtube channel this is following on county cricketer so uh sad news really to start off this week joffrey archer um, an, another stress fracture. I mean, I think that I make that six England fast bowlers ruled out of cricket uh, for the foreseeable uh, with uh, stress fractures of the back and another couple of uh, players out as well. George, much has been said about Joffrey Archer. There's very real fears about his uh, participation within professional cricket in a longer form. Certainly moving forward, it's not really our place uh, to speculate. But one thing, uh, one thing, we were together, weren't we, in Hamilton, was it Hamilton or Mount Monganui? I can't quite remember. When Joffrey Archer was bowled for 42 overs uh, in a test match. But it would be a horrible, horrible feeling if that's the best and worst that we've seen of Archer. From Lords in 2019 to bowling 42 overs later that year. You know, we've, we've glimpsed, uh, we glimpsed what, was, what was possible. But sadly, we've, we've seen the reality with the handling of him as well. And, you know, if we are going to miss 
more job for Archer. It's going to be a huge blow, not just uh, to the game, but for the player himself. It, I mean, that's the the main thing, that he is quite a young guy with uh, a lot of his career in front of him, and it promised to be a really special career. And absolutely there are worries uh, about his uh, the viability of his career as a fast bowler now. Other people have been down this road and have proved that there can be life beyond these injuries. I think the real worry is that um, he's got this stretch fracture at the back without returning to competitive cricket. That That is unusual because uh, the previous injury was, I think it was a stretch fracture to the elbow, which had reoccurred. So it's a worry that he hasn't played a lot. Uh, on, on a positive side, he, he is skillful enough to reinvent himself you know, Corey Collibor style. But that's not quite the same as uh, what he was before. You know, if it is the end, uh, it has been already a fairly special career. You know, let's, let's, let's not forget, he was a huge part of England winning the World Cup. I honestly don't think they would have won the World Cup without him. And a bit like Simon Jones, I, I guess, who played that huge part in 2005... You know, some players burn very brightly, but quite briefly. But really, let's hope it's not the end. This is this is crushing news for him in particular. It's terribly, terribly sad. Uh, and I'm sure everyone in cricket, uh, you know, wants the best for him. But as I say, I am concerned that uh, it's it's an injury to his back before he had returned to competitive bowling. That you hear alarm bells, don't you? Harmy, you know, obviously you've you've got a career in fast bowling personally and anecdotally and of course Simon Jones is still one of your you know your best friends from cricket there's obviously obvious concern but as someone who's been there and through this kind of thing do you do you see a way out for Archer do you see a way back rather yeah I see a way back yeah of course I think like George mentioned he's young enough very very skillful um, and the flexibility he has and the sort of the way he bowls you know because of his action I think he'll come back he could come back at a similar pace that that he was before, um, but it just shows. And like I, I ranted last week about fast bowlers, when you come back from injury, the first three or four weeks of you coming back from injury are the ones that are the, the hardest three or four weeks because of the the rest of your body, what it takes its toll on. That's when you're in really sort of vulnerable for getting another injury. And unfortunately for Jofra Archer, as well as one or two others, that you know, coming back from an injury is that's when you are at your most risk of picking up a different one because everything hurts, everything's sore, everything's stiff when you first come back. And it's about managing your body through that you know, initial process. And unfortunately for Jofra, he's he's picked a, an injury up trying to possibly not, I wouldn't say consciously changing his action, but he must be doing something different to help the the injury that he had which was the elbow injury um and he's putting stress on other parts of his body and unfortunately his back hasn't been able to hold up but i can see him coming back and playing whether he feels it's the right thing for his body to go back and play with a red ball or not that would be something in his mind and only his mind alone but i can see him coming back at a similar speed than what he was before because just by the nature of the action that he has and the flexibility that he shows in that action, I think that he'll still come back at a, at a decent speed. 
Uh, Nick, let's move on to uh, the other big story from the last seven days, the England uh, Test Squad announcement. We're actually expecting uh, more than, the, let's see, three, five, three, five, 13. 13 players named. We were expecting a couple more than that. So uh, looking through the list, Ben Stokes, obviously captain, James Anderson. Uh, Johnny Bairstow does make it back into the side. He's not rested for a couple of matches after playing in the IPL. Stuart Broad, uh, Harry Brook, um, Zach Crawley, Ben Folks, Jack Leach, Alex Leese. Craig Overton, Matthew Potts, Matt Potts, Ollie Pope and Joe Root. Nick, of that list of 13, can you make an argument for or against, um, I don't know, I reckon you could probably make an argument for or against two of them. And I by two, I say Johnny Bairstow and Zach Crawley. I think all the others pretty much is, is kind of how we thought it would go. Not that we're surprised that Crawley and Bairstow are in it, but... You know, in terms of disgruntled players out there, who who do you think feels that on another day they could have possibly just just snuck in ahead of those two? Oh look, I mean, I think the two, you know, the irony is that Crawley and Bairstow are probably, you know, they're two of England's most recent centurions, aren't they? I mean, like, you know, the, the two, the two guys on the, the way I'm saying are on the edge of this rather. You know, the, probably the guys who, yeah, you know, two guys who had a, you know, I, I don't want to say decent winter because no one had a decent winter, but. Uh, let's say a more creditable winter than than others in terms of sort of raw numbers, um, test centuries. It'd be very England to to drop the guys who'd got your test hundreds in a winter when no one could score a run. So I think the squad was always going to show us how keenly people had looked at the first month of the season. Um, and for what it's worth, I think they did. I think we've got the leading. We've got Harry Brook, who, who I think was the, at the time of selection was the second highest English run scorer in the country, and we had. Matthew Potts, who was the leading wicket taker of any description in the country, so there'll always be guys who could have been picked. There'll always be guys who score more runs in counter cricket. But equally, if you're expecting a county select eleven when they name the test squad, you're a week early. You know that's, you know that was named yesterday. It's not an England Lions squad. It's it's half a reward for county runs. It's also recognising that those guys aren't involved in the blast team. So, you know, as, as we said last week, I'd have. I'd have picked. I mean, I'd, I championed Sam Robson. I watched him again last week against Durham. I still think Sam Robson should be in the squad. I think Dom Sibley has a very good case. But I, I genuinely, I, I honestly think you can make a pretty solid case for all thirteen, or at least not not necessarily, not, not necessarily a solid case, but a case where you can understand the selection. You know, I can understand the selection of Zach Crawley not just because of a double ton two years ago, but because of a hundred in the West Indies. And look, he got two fifties last week, and as he said afterwards, if, if those two fifties start a run of form where he goes well in the series against New Zealand, then you know, then then suddenly a slightly inauspicious start of the season when a load of guys at Kent were scoring run, more runs than him, let alone across the game scoring more runs than him, then then suddenly that all that's you know sort of behind him. Um, likewise, Matt Parkinson's Parkinson's bowled very well, but I think there was an expectation that Jack Leach probably was the man in possession, probably was Ben Stokes's man, and would probably start the summer. So I don't think I was at all surprised there um, I think it's a shame because I think I really rate Parkinson but but you can only pick 11 and, and I think it was pretty clear come the end of the winter that, that Jack Leach was had probably merited the, the chance to to start the summer as the man of possession and yeah and, and on Johnny Bairstow he didn't run away to the IPL you know that was very much an agreement with England cricket he, he's he gone to the IPL he had, a, he had a pretty decent winter with England and I think the, possibly the only surprise is that he's not going to get wicked in match at seven. That's the only thing that, you know, maybe is a bit of a surprise there because then you'd have potentially one of Pope or Brooke at five and the other one at three, whereas it looks like Brooke's going to be the reserve batter and Pope at three. But 
I think the more time that elapsed after the squad was announced, the more I understood it and felt pretty unshocked and, you know, not, not nonplussed by it, but unoutraged, let's say. I think it's all right. I, th- I don't. What I would say is I don't think it's a long-term... I don't think anyone should think this is what Brendan McCullum, Ben Stokes, Zingham look like in 18 months' time. I think they're just starting where they're starting and and that's you know pretty solid base from where they were over the winter, isn't it, really? Good stuff. OK, well, look, let's get on with the show. Uh, but before we do, I've got a quick question for you, George. So the selection panel was made up of Rob Key, Brendan McCullum, Ben Stokes, Mo Bobert, James Taylor and David Court. Now, excuse my ignorance and no, I'm not trying to be insulting here at all. But can you tell me what David Court, or who David Court is? Player ID lead? No, not really. <laughs> really. Oh, no, not really. I don't know him. And I don't think they actually were selecting. I don't think they, they you know, had a vote. They had a voice. You could even... He was named on the selection panel. Yeah, but he wasn't one of the people who actually made the final decisions. I think it was the three of them, wasn't it? If you remember, there was a. I sent a tweet last week asking, you know, what all the departments involved in planning, planning and performance do if you end up picking a number three who's never batted at number three and all the bowlers are injured. So these guys have their job titles and the responsibility, but they don't actually seem to take much. Go on, I was going to say, George, just to follow up on what you mentioned, that I rang, I must admit, I had a, an argument with Neil Colleen, Durham's bowling coach. You'll not, you'll not like me for saying this. But what you're saying, what you tweeted, George, to add another one to that, I couldn't understand why Matt Potts didn't play for Durham last week. But then... All my rants about fast bowling, when Killer disagreed with me, I actually seen the point after I put the phone down that it was right for Potts not to play last week because the amount of overs he's bowled, the young body. But I'm like, really? Three games into the season when Saki Mahmood gets injured, Potts is in the game. Potts is in selection for the 2nd of June. And Durham have got four games between now and the 2nd of June. The one game I'd have been championing him to play would be Middlesex because the batting unit that Middlesex have got. And Lords, the kid hasn't played a red ball game of cricket at Lords. So it's a difficult place to go and make your debut. And it's a difficult place to learn how to bowl. He could have done it in front of 1,500 people, two out of three days, and learn how to hit lines in the areas where you use the slope and you goes for you, it goes against you as opposed to... And that comes down to the planning department that you were mentioning, George. It, again, ECB just baffles me. So yeah, how Potts didn't how Potts's program wasn't to play at Lords the week before or two weeks before the first Test match is, is so. Bad. So on that, you know, if the plan was for Pope to play at three, bat at three, why wasn't he batting at three for Surrey? Why why not more joined up thinking? And and, and also, and, can and, I just add in add mm-hmm. in there, George? Because I was at Guilf, uh, I was at Beckenham, and I saw Bats and Alex Stewart. And I said to them, you know, how many how many overs is Sam Curran going to bowl? And Stewie put his hand up, said he's an ECB player, so you know we are and we are we are helping. So he'll he'll bowl five overs. So it can be done, can't it? It can be done. And the other the one other one is is Harry Brook, who's clearly uh, a very talented eye catching player with a lot to like, but but he's been scoring his runs at five six, and I kid you not, seven you're not preparing for test cricket if you're batting down there. So why is he not batting at three? If he bats at three in county cricket, I think he'll be better prepared to bat at four or five in test cricket. And again, you can see why they wanted Joe Root to make it at number three. 
it, it solves a lot of problems if he can bat at number three. There's no right and wrong with that decision, by the way. You know, there, there are pros and cons on both sides. But at the moment, you've got basically the big three, uh, four, five and six. So all the youngsters have to sort of either fit in or miss out around them. And um, that doesn't seem to be making things as easy as could be. So uh, anyway, a, a lack of joined up thinking, despite the fact that there are lots of people supposedly in positions uh, involving planning. Right. Let's get on with the top line. The top line. OK, guys, I think, uh, well, there was some joined up thinking, certainly some agreement. Middlesex, Toby Rowland-Jones, certainly uh, myself, Nick and George, we, we kind of thought that uh, between them, there's your top line, really, top of the group. And they've had a really impressive start to the season. How many injuries to England bowlers would there have to be for Toby Rowland-Jones to get a call up, do you think, George? That is a really good question, because uh, in terms of sort of horses for courses... Yeah, he he might be so probably not that many more. Uh, the other thing is, I think he's got a test average in the teens, hasn't he? Bowling <laughs> average in the teens, you know, never let England down. Uh, another really sad story, a bit of a sort of reminder that there isn't always a happy ending, you know, if you if you're looking at the Jofra situation, because he was doing everything right, looked like he was going to go to Australia on the Ashes tour, looked like he had the action, the ability that might enjoy the extra bounce on those wickets. And it, and it was never to be. So um, not masses more. There, there is generally a temptation to look to the future. But, you know, Stokes and Key have both said, we want to pick the best players right now. I think he's 34, isn't he? It? it would be sort of ironic to drop broad and pick someone a, a year younger. It, it would be uh, a bit like Martin Bicknell, wouldn't it, it, being picked at the Oval all those years ago? I'd, the, one, the one thing I'd say on Ron Jones, and this isn't too... This isn't, this isn't at all critical. I, for one, I don't think he's done. I don't think he's been hard done by by not being in discussions. Let's say um, he's hardly been fit for a few years. I mean, I think I, I dare say he's surprised himself, and I dare say he surprised Middlesex by being fit to have taken thirty odd wickets in, in, in five rounds of games. I think is what he's done. They've had to manage their resources very carefully because they've got Tom Helm as well, who's had a bit of a side problem and between Helm and Roland Jones they've said they've not really had either of them for, for long periods in the last few years and and on top of that they've had the speed gun at Lords for the last few weeks and if those speed guns are accurate he is bowling max mid-late 70s so he bowled beautifully against Durham and I was there for his second inning six for actually and as I say he bowled brilliantly that's certainly not to to criticise at all I think he's a, said a very a very good bowler and Bowl beautifully at Durham's left-handers, of which there are about six, I think. Um, but but yeah, as I said, I think it's. I'd be careful more than anything because of his own body. And if we're talking about England injuries, this is a guy who really has spent most of the last four or five years battling them himself. So one step at a time, as it were. Even though, as as we say, England don't have many bowlers left before. <laughs> he he <laughs> could be a Neil Malander type selection, though. Do you remember Neil Mallander came in, played two tests, took a five for at Leeds, I reckon. I mean, that could happen. It's not it's I mean, not ironically, that's sort of what he's, sort of what he's been Yeah, it is. It? it is. But I mean, I suppose at the back end of his career. So if they are genuinely picking the best people for the job for each game, which I don't actually think is a particularly sophisticated approach, because it's always got to be a balance, um, then, you know, if these injuries keep coming... It is possible. A fairy tale, a farewell test even, is a possibility. You would have to say 
he's probably not the answer to bowling Pakistan out in Pakistan. <laughs> no. I think to answer your question, John, would be a simple answer to your question would be if one of the big two got injured, he might be a in betweener. It could be something like that if one of the big two got injured. But apart from that, I'd be I would you can't I don't think you could have someone like Craig Overton in the squad and Roland Jones because uh, I don't think they're too dissimilar to speeds or areas that the bowl. Uh, was Even it, though I think Roland Jones are more skillful. Nick, was there a surprise that Peter Hanscom? Left Middlesex. The timing of of, of uh, that. I know he's got a no, international I mean, obligations, yes, no. but I, I'd say it was. I'd say it took me. I'd say it took me by surprise that the announcement came mid rum chase. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that was, <laughs> but um, it gave him the opportunity for a farewell thirty nine or hour, whatever it was. Um, no, so he's he was always going away for the next month because he was in the Australia A squad for Sri Lanka. And he is, his wife is due to give birth shortly after that. So there were certainly whispers of this that that might happen. And so it wasn't a massive surprise that, that he wasn't, that it wasn't a surprise to be honest, that, that, he's, that he's not going back. And, and quite frankly, with the greatest will in the world, it's not really worked. He's got 17 first-class hundreds. He's played test cricket. He captained Victoria to the Shield final. He is undoubtedly a, a very, undoubtedly a very talented, very, very good cricketer. But he's never really done it in county cricket, whether that's Middlesex, Durham, Gloucester, Yorkshire. And he's never done it for for Australia and England either. But everything I've heard from within the campus, that he's a, he's a very good captain, a very, good, a very, very popular guy. He's just not scored the runs. And I think Middlesex, if you look at all the best, if you look at the successful teams actually in Division 2, or the competitive team in Division 2, let's say, they've all got an overseas gun bat in the top five. And that's Beddingham, or Pujara or Rizwan who's also not really scored the runs yet uh, even Sussex last year when they tried to with Travis Head and it didn't quite work it doesn't, my point being is it doesn't always work but there's, it's not to say it shouldn't have done if that makes sense I thought it was a pretty solid signing when they made the, when the, when the deal came through it's just not, but it's just not just not happened he, he leaves without half century at Lords, which is their home ground which is obviously not <laughs> not all that useful but um, but no I, it's not surprising not going back I think they'll have a I think they've got a top order battle lined up Tim Murtagh takes over the captaincy again, which he did last year when Hanscom went back early to prepare for the Shields and they promptly won. I think they won three games in a row and finished second in that Division 3 thing. It's, it's, no, it's, it's just not quite worked in terms of run scoring, but for what it's worth, he's by all accounts a very good captain and he leaves them as one of three unbeaten teams in the country. I think, to be, to be honest, the most impressive unit that I've seen most organised sides in this first six, seven rounds of games as well. So, swings and roundabouts, I guess. OK, good stuff. Well, that was the top line. Uh, let's uh, take a look at the moments of the week. Moments of the week. So, Harmy, your old mate uh, Paul Nixon's saying it was his lowest moment as uh, coach of Leicestershire. They lost again. Uh, that was certainly one of my moments of the week. Um, <laughs> not a Leicestershire fan, Adrian. No, Yeah, I'm not saying the moments are good. I mean, what is what is uh, in terms of county championship cricket? What is the aim? I mean, can anybody answer that for a, for? A... I'm not sure on the the Leicester front. I think Sussex is the the, the big example on the Cricket Collective. Me and Liam Manthorpe for the last sort of two years would sort of pull not pull Sussex down, but have a little bit of a jibe at them, a joke at them that whenever a coach is appointed, it's like, can you drive a minibus? Because it's basically you're gonna have to wait till the GCSEs are finished for the for the, the majority of the team to to play. But I can see the planning in what Sussex are trying to do. You know, they've signed two gun overseas players, trying to promote youth, and obviously they're a lot stronger and a lot more financial resources 
put into the the white ball game. But with Leicester, I'm just not sure where what they're doing with red ball cricket. We are they're not. They haven't got a gun overseas player that goes and scores lots of runs and holds them together. They seem to be what Durham were. Sort of right at the very start of my career, it was a whipping boy, 90, 98, 90, 97, 98. Um, there was no identity, no direction, um, and they got off on care. The first two games of the season, I think, they got two very, very good draws. They fought their way through to get two very good draws, and you thought, you know what, with Nico in charge, that might just be a good thing just to turn the, the sort of have some confidence going, but from there, they've, they've really had a struggle. And yeah, you know, one of my moments of the week was in that game because. Young Haynes, 21 year old, he looks a proper player. I think he could do. He might. He might have to work a little bit more, sort of on the front foot coming forward if he wants to elevate into the next game. Because I was watching him and thinking his front foot movement isn't the greatest coming coming forward into the ball because he does sort of play a lot further back. But runs on the board, the boy scored some runs, and for me that was the moment of the week. Three back to back hundreds when you've not scored a first class hundred before that. Um, hats off to the boy. I think he's. I think he's somebody. Somebody to watch. We said that a couple of weeks ago. I agree with that. He's yeah. somebody to watch. Yeah, if he played for a more fashionable county, I bet you people would be talking about him as an England prospect already. He's certainly an England prospect, but not immediately. And and he'll play tougher opposition, of course. But he is. He stands out. Yeah, he's definitely one to watch. I published. Um, I published an interview with him this morning, actually, because I've been banging the drum for. For Jack Haynes, from the moment I saw him get his maiden list day 100, so he got, got 150 off 120 balls at Chelmsford last year against in the Royal London Cup against Simon Harmer with Alistair Cook standing at slip and a fairly decent attack. Not obviously, no, there was no Cook, no Porter, I don't think, but he just has every shot in the book and he just looks very nice playing them. Um, there's been a lot of talk about him for years because he made his debut as a 19 year old against Australia in a tour game. Got a load of starts. He was one of those guys. Didn't sort of his struggle was sort of kicking on. I think he got starts in proper starts in thirteen of his last fifty in his first 15, thirteen of his first fifteen innings. I think as in first class cricket, and then fell short of a ton a couple of times, and then sort of let that get on top of him. And but yeah, got these three in a row. And I think actually the most impressive of the three was, the, albeit on a pretty flat pitch, was the Durham hundred because I think a lot of young cricketers, having been in the field for the Stokes assault, as it were, for those first couple of days, may well have gone into bat slightly dis- dispirited and lost that game in, in three days but to bat I think that was his longest first class innings to date actually 270 odd balls for 120 not out carried his bat well not carried his bat um, saw the game through to, to the close got the draw and I imagine doing that with the England caps on the field with Chris Rushworth Matthew Potts bowling would give him huge yeah well gave him huge belief and, and from there he's obviously gone from strength to strength his dad played 200 games for Worcester he is he's played for England under the 19s he's just a very impressive kid, um, and he's a kid, only twenty-one. But um, he's he's re- I mean, he's gone from having no tons in twenty-two games, which I think quite annoyed him, to having three in twenty-four, which suddenly looks a bit more appropriate for someone. I think with what looks like his talent and potential. Yeah, I think as, as George says, if he played for a slightly more fashionable county, I dare say we'd have. I dare say other people might have heard a bit more about just, him. Just just on, on the um, on the Leicester thing, Normo. Yeah, there was one of my favourite quotes of recent times in a, in, a, in a reporter's network piece. I can't remember exactly what it was and, and, and who he's talking about. It might have been William Mulder. But Paul Nixon, in trying to find positives, said, you know, I thought his second spell with the second new ball was very good. <laughs> <laughs> if those are the positives. But look, uh, your, your question was basically what was the point of Leicester, if we're honest, wasn't it? 
I would no, not really. Not okay, really. fair play. But I mean that that would be a cruel way of ask of the question. Literally, I mean, at the start of the season, what is the aim for a club like Leicester at county championship level? Well, to improve, to to improve and to develop players, and and yeah, to to hopefully poke up and contest promotion. Look, what they've lived off for a few years is the fact that they had produced players, you know, so we could overlook the fact that they hadn't won very many games on the basis that, OK, quite a lot of people have started their career there. And we all know, you know, James Taylor and Stuart Broad and Darren Maddy and Luke Wright and, 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 and all sorts of other people. And, and that's fine. If they're a, uh, a club that produces players, then they're probably doing their bit. You know, the production line hasn't been so productive in recent times, but even in this game, they played Rian Ahmed. Uh, I don't know how much responsibility they take for his development, but the fact is he is playing first-class cricket with them. He is starting his career there. Uh, for, for people who don't know, he's a, he's a leggy, he's an all-rounder, but a, a leg-spinning all-rounder. He got Ben Stokes out in the nets at Lords when he was, I want to say, 10 or 11 or something. 13, OK, so I'm exaggerating. 13. Yeah. I mean, but still, but so. still, still young. And he bowled him as well. <laughs> still um, give it to and, him. And um, he does look like an extravagant talent. Uh, he, he is, you know, very young. Ideally, you would be playing him in a slightly more experienced side, but he's getting first-class cricket. It, it is getting hard, harder to justify them, I, I hate to say. But, you know, clubs do, do go through ups and downs, and they have generally got a pretty good track record of developing players. They're trying to be relevant in their community, which they haven't been brilliantly in the last few years. Um, you know, they have won uh, the, the Blast, uh, more than much bigger clubs. They've won the blast more than anyone else, haven't they? Yeah, You go back 25 years to the county championship, I guess, or so. So, you know, I, I, I'd still bear with them a little bit. It is pretty bleak right now, and you'd have to be a little bit concerned that the players they bought in, which in the old days you'd call Colpac, but they're not, obviously. Uh, uh, you know, the experienced sort of South African-born players aren't actually delivering. Uh, and the, the the plans aren't working. But as long as they can produce some players, it just about is OK. But it's looking a bit grim right now. I, mean, I can't pretend it isn't. I think they've bought... I agree on the overseas players. So I feel I've, I've, I felt from the moment they were announced, actually, the overseas players would almost attempt to be too clever by half. Like, you bring in Bjorn Hendricks, he bowls left arm over, and bring in William Oldex, he can bat at seven and bowl. As I said earlier about those sort of getting a gun overseas in your top five, the game is to get someone who's going to score a thousand runs and bat around them isn't it and then sort of put the rest together you don't want two guys who you know the metrics say well you know Hendricks has said you know Hendricks is a left armour might might do this with the new ball that kind of thing and Mulder can do a couple of jobs you just want someone to smash out one job and to average 60 and then let the youngsters work around you but then I mean they, I think they are developing I think players are improving whether that's Callum Parkinson who came from Derbyshire and I think is a wholly underrated cricketer to be honest and whether it's others like Rishi Patel who came over from Essex and every time I've seen him play looks just a really exciting young batter um, Sam Evans had a very decent season last year he got I think three or four first class times Hassan Azad a couple of years ago we, you know, people were talking about him for an England eight or weren't they winning a Lions tour and he's had moments this he's season to be fair he's got the same run since he, well, he's, he's yeah, yeah, so, so in, individually yeah yeah exactly I think individually there are you know, they, they've shown signs. I think they've tried to almost moneyball. I mean, they've probably had to moneyball in a sense with the Roman Walker came from Glamorgan. 
was it Tom Scrivens I want to say came from came from Hampshire and they brought they've had to look beyond the beaten beaten track as it were in terms of sort of you know Rishi Patel came because he wasn't getting a go at Essex Scott Steele uh, came from Durham you know they've had to they've had to be quite wily I guess and quite and take the odd punt on guys and I guess the nature of the beast that they don't always work and they, you know the the experienced player is Colin Ackerman isn't he plays the Netherlands as uh, probably not start the season as well as he would like but but has, but has done well in the past um, he he's just lost the captaincy to Callum Parkinson so I think you can sort of see what they're trying to do but it is all a bit of a gamble isn't it and, you know, in terms of asking these you know asking young lads to come in and sort of hit the ground running and their problem this season has just been runs isn't it more than anything else and Ben Mike I think has got a lot to offer as a cricketer with the bat with the ball more so with the ball Chris Wright is sort of the other experienced man isn't he um, bowling a lot of overs but um, I think there's merit to it but it's but it's it is asking a lot of guys who don't necessarily have the track record, if that makes sense. Okay, guys, let's zip through the rest of the moments of the week. Yeah, Hampshire uh, impressed again. Somerset are gloriously inconsistent, aren't they, George? Well, uh, they're pretty consistent. Words on Somerset from you, maybe, and then Nick. Well, I, I, I think to be fair, <laughs> Somerset have won two of their last three, haven't they? But I think they've lost something like. Six of the last eight, or something. It might even be worse than that. Seven of the last nine. So, so is that consistency or inconsistency? Well, it, it's a worry, uh, and uh, their batting is <laughs> is uh, very fragile. Uh, I mean, it's exciting but fragile, and it's hard to be massively optimistic because there's a real danger they're going to lose Craig Overton, who's so important, and and Leach as well. So uh, th- they have been dragged into the situation where they're genuinely looking at the season, uh, contemplated relegation. I think still they'll be okay, but there's no there's no room for complacency at Somerset right now. Yeah, I, I, they've got a lot of dashes. I mean, you, you look at the young players they've produced with a view to T20, and it's really really exciting. I don't think they've got a bowling attack to compete in that tournament as it happens. But their batting is very exciting. It's homegrown and it's young. So I hope people stick with them because every county in the land would want Smead and Banton and Lamanby. But it is, uh, yeah, they're, they're looking very fragile with the bat. And uh, Hildreth's coming towards the end, I guess, sadly. Uh, you know, they're, they're something they're going to have to look at. Uh, Nick, a uh, little word on Hampshire. There's a good article in. Uh... King Cricket this week, that Hampshire got the perfect bowling attack. There's no danger of stress fractures of the back uh, with the likes of Mohammed Abbas and Keith Barker and uh, Kyle Abbott because they're not bowling anywhere near 90 miles an hour, are they? But they are more than handy seam attack for county championship conditions. And they've uh, they've won more games than anybody else, I think, in the in the division. Well, I tipped them to win the title at the start of the season. Then you all laughed at me because Surrey beat them. No, um, that is that and... is not... A... And, you and George. And here we are now. Here we are now, railing back on your. Sorry, who's, who's top railing of the group? Railing back on your. Who's top of the group? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know the height. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and to be honest, I think whatever the conditions you put Kyle Abbott and Mohamed Abbas in, um, they'd cause problems. But then having Keith Bars, keep Keith Barker swinging it from uh, left arm over and taking the wickets he's had. I think Barker's the, their leader wicket taker, isn't he? With I think twenty seven, uh, very few apiece. And then uh, the other, the intel on the turkey is that no one creates more rough than Keith Barker. So, I mean, Barker do that, getting runs on the board and then sort of throwing the ball, whether it's been to Liam Dawson or Felix Organ or, or Mason Crane. Uh, obviously, Crane's been on all Sussex, but they've got, it feels like they've got all bases covered, doesn't it? Um, Brad, I mean, to, to, be a, to be in a position where you can lend Brad Wheel to another county for a game, as they did to Gloucestershire, I, I, I dare say, 
highlights your, your depth because I think Brad Wheel's pretty handy himself. Uh, James Fuller as well, who's, who cranks up if they feel like they need a bit more pace on the side. So, no, they're just good, aren't they? They've got nothing more insightful to say than Mohamed Abbas is just good. I think the arrival of Pop Welsh's bowling coach, Graham Welsh's bowling coach, is relevant. I think he, I, I, yeah. if you talk to bowlers he's worked with, his reputation's absolutely fantastic. Mm. Uh, and he's worked, obviously, with Keith Barker before. Yeah. He, the, Ricky Clark reckons he gave him another five Yeah, well, he, he yeah, completely changed his career, I think. Um, yeah, he, I think he's a fantastic bowling coach. And um, Keith Barker's feet changed Jeetan Patel's career as well, you know. They're, they're huge. And, mm, yeah. and, and, and he's got, obviously, he doesn't have a lot of pace, Keith Barker, but with the yeah. new ball to left-handers, it's about as hard as it gets. So there's a, there's a lot to like in that side. And, uh, yeah, it looks like it's two horse and he hardly go, he hardly goes for a run. He hardly goes for a run either. And he can bat, as long as you don't bowl short at The him. other thing with Hampshire that I spoke, obviously, speaking about the, speaking about the bowling... Yeah, well, speaking about the, we're speaking about the bowling there. I think the other thing they've done very well, and possibly more by luck than design, I think it's fair to say... They've probably made the two standout domestic batting signings as well in the last year in Gubbins and Brown. The two guys who had strengthened, I think, any top six in the in Division One. Brown with the gloves as well, allowed them to loan out Lewis McManus and you know, having a genuine batter in that top three, I think, if Brown if they really wanted to put you know, to put Brown there, I think is you know, that's before you get to Vince and, and Dawson as just very good county batters and that's as I said earlier, they've sort of just got all bases covered, haven't they, with a sort of one to eleven. OK, well, look, we're uh, racing the time as per usual. So uh, there were the moments of your week. Let's get to Race to Lords. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Race to Lords. Okay, guys, Race to Lords. Well, we're only going to have, have a look at the players that didn't get selected for the uh, the test squad. Um, and uh, there wasn't a lot in there, really. Dan Lawrence, uh, I suppose, headlining with 120 against Lancashire. Burns and Curran didn't play. Sam Robson as well, actually, 84 and 2 against Durham. In a big win for Middlesex. Dom Sibley at uh, 9 and 14. Dom Best didn't take a wicket. Milan didn't play. 
slightly surprising, maybe, unless he was injured. Uh, Matt Parkinson, one for 83 against Essex. Josh Bohannon, a couple of low scores for him in the same match. James Vince, six against Somerset. Ollie Robertson bowled some deliveries, which is good. Not for 42, though, and 36 against the New Zealanders. So uh, uh, there's your race to Lords. Anything else in and amongst that? I suppose there was runs for Harry Brook again because he was in the squad, wasn't he? Or isn't he, Harmy? So he's in form, that's for sure. But uh, apart from that, uh, not too much uh, Not too much from the players that didn't make the cup. No, Dan Lawrence is the one that I think if if he was fit for the first six games, he probably would have been in the squad. Um, if you're going to stick with Alex Lees, then you have to stick with Dan Lawrence because I think they had uh, similar trips to the West Indies, which... Um, Dan Lawrence probably got more runs than Lees, but they looked as, as though they had a, a it was a, they had a similar tour where they were probably one one big score away from having coming back thinking, yeah, I've uh, I've done okay. So with his injury, he's now come back. He's got 120. Um, he can um, he puts his hat back in the ring because I actually think Dan Lawrence is a good player. The Brook one is again we go back right to the very start of the show. We talk about. Yeah, who picked this squad? I couldn't believe it. I must admit, when I seen them names on the thing, and and then when the, the planning department of trying to work out, you know, who's going to play what role and where, again, made me scratch my head. As much as a champion for four or five years, that route went to three because it's better for the team, and then he is more comfortable at four, no question whatsoever. But it just makes it hard for somebody to go in at, at number three, and you can. Say whatever you want, ECB, Rob Keane, whatever you want about how exciting it is for Harry Brook and Matt Potts to be in the squad. I'd be very surprised if they both play. More or less say Potts is not going to I mean, Brook's not going to play. But with all the euphoria of we've got to bring Broaden Anderson back, Broaden Anderson this, Broaden Anderson that, they both play and Potts doesn't at Lords. I, I still can't see how they work out how you get Potts in unless you drop Stuart Broad and you've made a song and dance about bringing him back. So... Um, the Brook one, I just don't see it. I don't see why he's not number five for England on the 2nd of June against New Zealand for what he's done so far in county cricket. He's young. They've identified him years in years previous. Um, and if there had been sort of big ear tours in the last two years, he probably would have been on them. Um, went on the, 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 to the, the T20 leg of the, the West Indies trip. Uh, for me, he was a shoe in about at number five, which meant best to have to keep wicket. But like I said before, <clears throat> who are these people that have picked that squad? And what do I know? I just make a noise. I, I just think he's got a, he's got about higher up the order. Yeah, I agree with that, George. I agree with that. I, I I can't remember who it was. I'm not sure if it was Ricky Ponting or Shane Warne said a, a number of years ago. Said if you want to be if you play county cricket and you want to be a top four, top five batsman internationally for England you've got to bat three for your county three or four for your county because that's where it's tough that's where you get your tough runs and that's what stands you in good stead for international cricket I can't remember which Australian one of the two great Australians said that OK well, well he, he's right look he came, I, I, saw, I saw that game this week and he looks fantastic you can fall in love with his batting real easy but he came into bat in something like the 45th over and he was out against the second new ball so Look, he looks great. I don't want to take anything away from him, but it would be a lot easier to pick him if he were batting three or four. And, and the guy we probably should start to start mentioning is Sam Hain, because he's obviously been a talented player for years. He looks hungry as hell right now. 
uh, and he is converting, which is what he hasn't done in the past. So uh, one to look out for. John, just chuck, I'll just chuck in on Lawrence. Lawrence, I believe, has suffered a, I believe he's suffered a recurrence of that same hamstring injury. I think he ends his innings against Lancashire with a, with a runner. So even if, and I think, I so I think Army's right that he, I, I suspect, had he been fit for the start of the summer, had he been fit through the first set of games, he'd probably been the squad. He'd probably be named the squads. I also think had he got nine more runs in the Caribbean and got himself a ton rather than ninety-one, he'd probably win the squad. But um, such is the way that the game is obsessed with stats and, and all that. But um, but no, I don't think he'd be available anyway from, from what it sounds like. And uh, and while we've been on this talking about Middlesex's overseas situation, they've signed Peter Milan to replace Peter Hanscom. I believe George played for Warwickshire last year. Ah, uh, yes, he did, and um, underwhelmingly, to be honest. But the pitches were hard. Yeah, of course. South African opening bat, 32 years old. He's uh, played a bit of test cricket, hasn't he? I think. I think he played um, against England, didn't he? Yeah, he played against England. Yes. You're just yeah. while you're, you were at the Warwickshire um, Yorkshire game, and now it's a bit off off piste here, but there's a kid that's always intrigued me from the first man I saw him, and that was uh, Brooks, the bowler. And he's been ravaged with injuries. I see you got the England captain out, Joe, uh, former England captain out, Joe Root. I've always liked him. How did he go? Because he's a big, tall lad who hits the deck quite hard. But I'm not sure with the injuries if he's lost any pace or not. Really, really good question. So he looked... Um, you're right, he's exciting. I mean, he, he's one that the first time I saw him bowl, which I think was in the Nets, uh, I was like, who's that? And I, I asked two people, and they both said, he's going to play for England. And there's two people with Jonathan Trott and Ashley Giles. So it, it's interesting that you should point him out. So he's played a few times this season, and he did look as if he'd lost pace. In this game, he looked better. Uh, look, at the last spell I saw him bowl, he was down at 75 miles an hour because they, they, you've got a speed gun on, this, uh, on the feed at uh, Yorkshire, which is fantastic. Um, so he, he had lost a bit of pace. But before that, he bowled with some pace, some skill and some consistency. And he is definitely one to keep your eye on. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's built a bit like you, actually. Uh, so there, there's a lot to like there. Yeah, it's a worry because he's still coming back from injury, he's still growing, he's still, I think, just finding his action. And I didn't particularly like the look of the last spell, as I say. It looked like he was really tired. And that's when I think people get injured, isn't it? But uh, yeah, really, really good point. And he got uh, Joe Root with a classic outswinger, really. Invited the drive, left him. Beautiful. Uh, you, uh, for what it's worth, and I'm not saying he is a better player, but Harry Brook looked a better player than Joe Root in that game. Which, that's not to say that he is better. I'm just saying that's how good he looks. He is, you know, very, very impressive to watch. But as I say again, he's been scoring his runs at five, six and seven. Got about higher. Okay, let's get to uh, the mailbag. The mailbag. Okay, we didn't have much time for the mailbag last week, so we're going to uh, make up for that today. So we're going to, uh, I'm going to start firing off the questions. Actually, I'll ask all of you this question. Just one answer's. Uh, answer uh, question uh, one word answers please uh, Michael Hall says who do you think will win the county championship George Hampshire or Surrey no who the answer is a one word answer <laughs> okay, okay if, you, if I, you have to say one I'll say Hampshire to be honest because I think Surrey are going to have more call ups Stephen Harmison Surrey okay I'm going to go Hampshire uh, Rory North is England batting selection a meritocracy of the county game and if not what needs to change to make it so I still there's probably still an element of the fashionable counties get more coverage and stuff. I mean, certainly the element of that. Um, but 
I mean, looking at this squad, I, I, I honestly don't think there's anyone who's missed out because they're at the wrong counter or anything like that, or, or even in the wrong division. Um, as I say, I'd have picked Sam Robson, but I, I can sort of understand why they've kept the same opening pair as the Caribbean. I, I, just on that, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I, I might misunderstand the question, but I, I don't think that's what the selection of the England team's meant to be about. Uh, it's meant to be about picking players you think you're going to win, but you've got to take so much into account to do that. And uh, sticking with people, continuity of selection, making people feel confident and settled in the side is massively important. So you're not just picking who's done well last week, and nor should you. Yeah, and, and as, as I said earlier, it's not the test squad is not a county select eleven. I think I think a lot of the anger at the squad when it first came out was was probably because people had spent so much time watching the county championship for six, seven weeks that they were expecting the squad to literally be the best 11 players from the championship obviously with a couple of exceptions and and the sort of the stuff we talked about earlier but um but I do think that there was maybe an overestimation on on the amount of you know I, I, as, as I say Brooke and Potts are and probably even Pope to be honest are in that squad based on what they've done early season but it would be unrealistic to think that you're going to pick an 11 you know what Ben Compton Sean Dixon opened the batting because they've scored some runs for, for Kent and Dyer that's not it's not how it works. It's not how, it's not it, how it should work. You know, and, and it's they're not they're not directly trans- no they're, exactly they're not directly transferable. It's it's unrealistic to think that the, the job the job of the selectors and ultimately why it, why doesn't why it doesn't always look right and why it do, why it doesn't always go right is that part of the job is to work out whose performances in the county game will translate into performances in the test game and you know it's why Darren Stevens at forty five wasn't playing test cricket on the back of a double ton and a six foot because. Because the determination was that they wouldn't, that one wouldn't, you know, translate into the other. And that's not, that really isn't a failure of selection. That that is a, an, a, that is the nuances of having to work out where the game is similar and where the game is different. Okay, Danny at De Frankland says, with both the chair, this is you, George, with both the chair and chief exec of the ECB being interim appointments, who will actually be in charge? making decisions regarding English cricket in the next few months. Well, it seems Mo Boba and Andrew Strauss, doesn't it? But, you know, Rob Key's been appointed, so that's one role. And there are interim chairs and chief exec. I don't think we're massively far away from the next chair being appointed. But, yeah, he, he makes a completely reasonable point that there's a power vacuum at a very, very important time. So those roles need to be filled, and, Lord, they need to get them right. Uh, pitched Up Cricket at Pitching It Up says, Biggest surprise... And biggest disappointment of the season so far, uh, Harmy. Biggest surprise. Um, <clears throat> I think you've got to look at the biggest surprise. Of, if you're looking at individuals, you look at someone like Ben Compton. Yeah, I mean, he would. Good shout. I don't think anybody would. Anybody would. Would have contemplated having the career that he's had so far, from up until the fourth of April, seventh of April, when the season started. That. He'd be in a county select eleven, and even talked about playing for England. I think they would have just. I think even Ben would have laughed at you if you had said that to him. So good on him as a, a big surprise. Potts coming in, you know, and doing what he'd done and got himself a, a selection. Um, I don't think Brooke was as big a surprise because I think England knew about him. So from that point of view, yes, that um, biggest disappointment. I don't know. Looking at you know the, the big teams are, are are all doing reasonably well um you might say somerset yes yeah, somerset somerset as a as a county haven't performed as well as a, but that division's that's a tough division if you look at the the top six teams in that division you know they're all test playing grounds apart from essex who are who are fifth in the league who have got the bigger resources than the likes of somerset so i'm not sure that would be 
a huge disappointment. I think probably the injuries. Yeah, good shout. Um, and having to go back, England. I know that we're going to go back to Broad and Anderson, but we are so reliant now over the course of the next seven test matches on a 35-year-old and a 39-year-old. And I'm not, not not putting anything against them because they're still brilliant. But that would be the that would be a huge disappointment that we've got seven fast bowlers with one injury or another that are going to miss the majority of the season. So that, for me, is the biggest disappointment. Ben Compton, Matt Potts, probably uh, the best, the biggest surprise. Um, Bryden, Bryden Carsbowl, pretty sharpish at... Uh, at Lords last week, I, mean, I don't know if you've been, don't know if you spoke to people around here. I know he's only just back, but it was, it was. I just thought it was quite nice to see someone back from an injury rather than rather than rule out with one. But he um, he bowled fairly sharp. Off, I mean, he wasn't as accurate, obviously, as was like the likes of Rush with. But that's not the game, is it? And, um, yeah, it was, I just, yeah, I thought it was quite nice to see someone actually, let's say, actually in a position to bowl. Dave Studland says, how obvious is it that Kevin Sharp has played a role in Jack Haynes' development? The back foot shots are so similar to Joe Root, it's great. Any thoughts on that, George? I think that's such or a perceptive Harvey. question. It? It's a really great question. I don't know the answer, um, but it's a really interesting thought and there's probably something in it. Yeah, um, really good question. As a, coach, if you're trying to, as a coach, if you're trying to teach a young player how to play a shot and you're you're sort of trying to give him examples. Joe Root's not a bad one to look at if you can try and master that. So with the, the nearly 10,000 test runs that he's got under his belt. So, yeah, it is. It's, I think if you, if you are a coach who had an experience of bringing somebody through you know, who has gone on and done well, you can always reference back to that um, and help. But it's, it, for me, coaching's about individ- the individual that you're coaching. If, if they've got the ability, their ability will shine through and... I think the young boy down at Worcester, what I've seen in the last sort of two weeks and in the innings that I've seen, um, I, I don't think he'd be too far away when it comes September selection to go away from home because I actually think he's, he's, his, hands, his hands are brilliant. That's the thing for me. I think his footwork could be worked on. I think as a, a bowler, talking from a bowler's point of view, international, they'll find a way of getting it up there. And I don't think he moves his feet as well as what he would he would need because he would challenge he would get challenged but I think his hands are electric they're very very fast very very good very quick gets him out of trouble and I think when you go on to slower surfaces in the in the winter I think sometimes your hands are more important than your feet I, I'm really glad to hear Kevin Sharp getting some so, sorry I just, I'm really glad to hear Kevin Sharp getting some credit because I think he's a a, a, a wise coach uh, and, and I wonder if he applied for more high, high profile jobs what would happen because there's an awful lot to like. I mean, he's the guy who, for example, saw Libby playing second eleven cricket and got him to come to Worcester. We all know how that's worked out. You know, obviously played a big part in Joe Root and in Joe Clark as well. There's a lot to like about Kevin Sharp, and it's it's nice that he's getting a little bit of praise. He's done the whole pathway at Worcester, isn't he? He'd have, he'd have coached Haynes in the twos, then took over the one, then took over the first team and won the blast, and then took over this sort of player development thing, hasn't he? So, and he's everyone. The number everyone that's worked that, that's worked under him mentions him, which is always a pretty decent sign. The other one that interesting interesting with Haynes, actually, just very quickly, is um, he is one of a number of young players I've spoken to who um, has an Alistair Cook anecdote of how a chat with Cook sort of transformed their game. He was talk, talking to Cook about get it, how how basically to not just get starts, and apparently he said Cook just calmed him right down, told him not to be worried, and and said that his first year was full of starts, and his second year he smashed it, and 
fair play because last year he got a load of starts and this year he's got three tons in a row. So, um, and I think also there have been a lot of runs, so it's easy to sort of turn your nose up at them almost. But um, 300 in consecutive games for a 21 year old who's never done it before is 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 really is is really is yeah is really impressive, but also sort of worth making note of because I think a lot of guys will get one first cut hundred, but the guys who can, I think he was worried that it was a fluke until he did it again. So um, you know he's, he's got a lot of, a lot of talent. Brilliant stuff. Okay, let's get on with the uh, the remainder of the show. Match of the week. Okay, so uh, final part of the show. We're just going to have a little look ahead to the T20 Blast, which got underway last night and uh, will continue throughout the summer. It's not going to be part of the school holidays this year. Maybe that's one of the reasons for the slow ticket sales. It does appear that uh, the 100 seems to be taking a big bite out of the ticket sales for the T20 Blast. Almost like um, this has been uh, this problem has been foreseen for quite some time, but so it's coming to pass. And uh, yeah, uh, we don't need to go down the route of whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a reality, isn't it, George? Uh, the, the counties are going to suffer financially because uh, the cash cow that has been so successful after the last 20 years is starting to uh, to be depleted. Um, up to a point, yeah. I mean, obviously they get compensated, didn't they? Um, they get the 1.3 million a year. So, uh, yes, I mean, the game has cannibalised itself. Obviously, uh, and if you put uh, the the schedule for the blast this year is absurd. I, I genuinely think, genuinely wonder whether it's designed to fail. I don't think the ECB have tried to. In fact, I think they've tried to downplay it to have a scorched earth policy in recent years. And I'll give you an example for people who think that's absurd. They count the sales for uh, the the figures rather for attendance at a blast at 100 completely differently for example uh, attendance at the 100 is anyone who's in the ground doesn't matter if they bought a ticket or not uh, the figures they give you for the hundred uh, for the blast generally have been people who have bought tickets and attended so those in rained off games were discounted so about four years ago off the top of my head they could have said that they had a million people attend or buy tickets for blast games but they didn't they played it down weird yeah yeah so, uh, yeah, they've given the uh, the 100 the best of the schedule. They've given it uh, the marketing. And what do you know? It's doing okay. And, and why wouldn't it? Because, you know, the games are very similar. Once you're in the ground and watching the cricket, barely tell the difference between 100 and Blast. And that's fine. Uh, I've got no issue with the product of the Blast. But, yeah, it comes at a cost. And, of course, it won't just be... Uh, the Vitality Blast that it's hit, it will also be the 50-over competition and it's also the championship which is squeezed into the margins of the season. So, you know, the 100, there are things to like about it, but they come at a cost. Uh, and in terms of the Blast itself, the runners and riders, we're going to be uh, we're going to be focusing quite centrally on the Blast and England for the next month or so on the show. But Nick, uh, uh, who, do you, who do you think uh, is going to be there or thereabouts this season? Who are you looking forward to seeing the most? I think there are a lot of really good overseas players coming over for a start. I think um, Surrey's resources are extraordinary, <laughs> um, quite frankly. The Narayan-Pollard duo, uh, just off the top of my head, might be as must be close to being as strong as it's ever been as an overseas pairing in the blast. Um, certainly a high-profile overseas pairing. Knots are always there or thereabouts. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be down at Hove actually a couple of weeks ago to to watch a, watch Sussex's white ball squad, as it were, sort of that... That, that small group of guys who are just on white ball deals having a net together and sort of 
did reinforce that however young their Ripple side are um, and however, and obviously having lost Jordan and Salt over the winter um, and David Reese as well there's still there's still a lot of a lot of know-how and talent there with the Para and Mills and Wright and actually Joffrey Archer was having a long old bat that day as well um, uh, I might be one of the last people to was probably one of the last people to see him play cricket before the stress factor to be honest and then then they've got a fair few overseas players coming over I'm still trying to work out how they're going to Availability will be interesting because Afghanistan are playing Zimbabwe, so I believe Majib's missing the first a bit in a bit in early June. Rashid Khan won't be around for the start. IPL playoffs and that Afghanistan tour. Obviously, Pakistan availability with an ODI series against West Indies is a bit of an issue for some as well, um, which is why Shaheen Shah is not going back um, to Middlesex. Mohamed Rizwan, I think, will go off as well at some point. Gloucester have got Naseem Shah for the start and been injured for a fair bit of have been injured for basically all of their county championship run apart from the first game but yeah um, I think it's hard to look past Surrey and Notts given given where Notts go every year and given how strong Surrey look obviously Kent were excellent last year and won it Lanks Lanks are going to have Tim Davids Liam Livingston and Joss Butler in the same top five which which will be extraordinary viewing I dare say um, and they will most certainly be there with their bats Yorkshire likewise I, I honestly think it's a very strong it's a very very strong competition Certainly, when everyone's got the best players out there, which obviously, as I say, is not going to be, isn't foolproof. But um, but yeah, there's a lot of there are a lot of <laughs> a lot of very good players out there. I I would tentatively, if if you if you were pushing me for a favourite, I'd, I'd say that Surrey's resources are, are quite a thing. <laughs> good stuff. But I like I like Lancashire as well, and all the other ones I just said. <laughs> good stuff. Well, look, um, time is against us. We'll leave it there, but we'll. We'll be talking about uh, plenty of T20 cricket uh, over the next uh, month or so. Uh, thanks for your time as ever. Uh, following on County Cricketer, we'll be back next week on Thursday. But for now, thanks for uh, watching or listening. Well, that's it for another edition of Following On. Thanks uh, for listening. And if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe, feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at cricket underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmison, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new TalkSport listener community. It's the place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit TalkSport.com dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply.